The concept for ePartrade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for ePartrade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information. And then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing, and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At epartrade, there is no e-commerce. It's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your workday in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all of that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of ePartrade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. ePartrade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. Good morning from California and uh, welcome to Race Industry Now, the technical and business webinar series from ePartrade presented to you by ARP and Performance Plus Global Logistics. I am Francis Savignan, the founder and CEO of ePartrade, the global platform for the performance and racing industry. This is episode 221, and we're going to be talking distribution with Ken, Motostate, and RAR Marketing. With me this morning are Judy Kin, the co-founder of ePartrade, and our wonderful and terrific host, Mr. Jeff Hammond. Judy? Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Francis and Jeff. We have three powerful industry leaders on today, so I'm really excited to hear how this discussion goes. And I do have to say congratulations to Rich from R&R Marketing because he's now on the SEMA board. So congratulations, Rich. Thank you very much. And I think we see, yeah, everybody's on. So, so good. Mr. Let's hand it off to you, Jeff. Good morning, everyone. And yes, thank you very much. And uh, Judy, a whole lot like you. Uh, I can't wait to, to hear what these folks have to say, because again, um, talking about supply chains, talking about, you know, the, the, the business as a whole, and the fact they've got a new name and the, the way that I guess, I'd like to know how they came up with the name. And I also love the idea of what this web, webinar is all about, the three R's, you know, rebranded, re reinvented, and relevant. And I think all of those right there are uh, key elements in any business, especially in the racing business. And uh, again, let's just go ahead and get have at it. Uh, right on the get-go. Tracy, how are you doing this morning? 
Great, Jeff. Thank you. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. Look, like I say, looking forward to uh, hearing you and your, your panel uh, enlighten us about CAN. We thank you for the opportunity to kind of share with uh, your listeners and uh, about what CAN is doing. Um, we were formerly known as Performance Warehouse Association, uh, started in uh, 1970 by a group of distributors, wholesale distributors that were uh, very concerned about uh, their sales and the sales channel and how that uh, uh, worked between you know the, the brands and themselves and protecting you know, kind of that, that sales and that opportunity for everyone. So um, we've been around, uh, like I said, over 50 years. We're celebrating our, our 50th year this year, uh, thanks to COVID. We kind of had to delay that the last couple of years, but uh, this year we're going to do it a big 50th celebration. And um, yeah. So Scott, how are you doing this morning, sir? I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you? I just wanted to speak to you real quick and, and, and make sure you're doing well. Everybody else seems like they're, uh, they're got a big smile on their face. I'm excited about that. Yeah, so, uh, excited to be with you. Well, thank you again. Um, so Tracy, enlighten me a little bit about, uh, the name change for one thing, what, what necessitated that? Because it, like you said, you, you had a name that had been around for a long time. And you know you don't normally take something that's been successful and, and rebrand it like you have without a reason. Right. So we were noticing, um, you know, in the probably around uh, 2000, uh, 2010, um, in that in that decade, we had a lot of uh, changes starting to happen to our membership. Uh, our distributors, uh, a lot of them started diversifying. Um, they were becoming more than just wholesale distributors. Uh, originally, one of the key criteria was the members, the wholesale distributors, had to be 100% wholesale. They had to job or list. I mean, it was a very, very, uh, you know, arduous uh, process. And what we found over the last, you know, those four decades after it had started is that that business model really started to change. And a lot of our members had started diversifying into, you know, uh, channels like uh, e-commerce, uh, fulfillment, uh, trying to think of some of the other things, uh, uh, retail stores, uh, store chains, things like that. And so they weren't 100% wholesale anymore. And so that performance warehouse kind of title, um, we have a lot of distributors that are still wholesale only. And, um, you know, we definitely want to honor them, but it made it difficult to kind of grow our base and to bring in new buyers that were, you know, definitely moving a lot of volume and, and making a lot of sales in our industry. So that warehouse terminology um, became kind of a, a key critical issue. And then the term performance uh, also kind of was rubbing some of our members because over, I don't know, about half of our membership uh, about 10 years ago was truck related. And that wasn't a term that they necessarily, uh, uh, you know, acknowledged and uh, recognized and even, you know, considered themselves, you know, they were truck guys. And so um, we just had a real uh, hard time, you know, explaining why people should be a part of a Performance Warehouse Association when, you know, maybe they were an online retailer selling truck parts. How do you bring that kind of fire into the, into the, into the group? So 
Um, so the board, uh, you know, went through a whole process. We hired a firm. We did a lot of, uh, you know, market research and that kind of thing to really look at how do we um, position the organization for the next 50 years. And so uh, custom, you know, everybody is customizing. So this, this was a more of a generic term that we could use for, you know, the performance parts, the truck parts, the whatever other industry comes in. So if it's power sports, if it's electric, the, the customizing is, is uh, you know, what we're doing with these cars. And, um, you know, it's obviously automotive. And that was something with Performance Warehouse Association, you didn't know that we were an automotive organization. And so, um, you know, automotive definitely dials that in. And then we're all about networking. Um, that is the key critical piece to uh, this association and what it's provided for its members for the last 50 years. So Rich, let me bring you in and uh, ask you, cause like I say, you got the multi, I mean, the marketing consultant deal. Um, how has this uh, association with CAN, um, how, how is it going to benefit, you know, you and your, your marketing agency? So it's really about efficiency. Um, you know, as the world has changed and the demands on all levels of businesses have increased, we all have mm -hmm. to be way more efficient. We have to bring value to the consumer. And so um, that means we have to make every minute and every meeting and everything count. And CAN is very good at efficiency. It brings the right people uh, to the table. It gives you an opportunity to have really sound meetings uh, between the distribution chain and the manufacturing chain, uh, marketing uh, people, um, other support companies uh, that can all help your business. And you can do so many of these meetings in such a short amount of time that everything always ends up producing a lot of good results, uh, you know, from these meetings. So, Scott, what about you? What, uh, what do you see as far as your experiences with this association? And, you know, what do you see as far as moving forward? Uh, as Rich said, it's, it's a, a really efficient way for us to connect with the manufacturers. And, uh, you know, I really, I love the, the title of, of our webinar here and in the relevancy, uh, that last word is very important. And I think it's uh, very relevant to our, industry, you know, it was, it was created, as Tracy said, back in 1970, uh, by a group of distributors who really wanted to focus on having some quality time uh, with the manufacturers and being able to work through and forecast and, and plan out the year. And uh, to this day, that is, is still what that's about. Um, and, and even though we've had to reinvent ourselves and we've done a, a lot of things to uh, make us more relevant and provide better tools for today's technology, uh, it still comes down to that fact that at the conference, uh, we get that one-on-one that -on -one time with the manufacturer and that group of manufacturers that there's no way uh, possible to do that physically, you know, to travel, in three days and see, uh, you know, 40 to, to 80 vendors, uh, depending on the amount of teams you bring uh, in that short period of time and that concentration and then that networking as well. I mean, we all know that our industry is changing and, and evolving very quickly. 
uh, these days with uh, uh, electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles and uh, hydrogen powered vehicles and all that stuff is is coming at us and we still have our traditional uh, you know uh, customer bases that we we connect with uh, but as an industry we have to be aware of this and, and look at that as the future and, and these meetings are just uh, imperative that uh, uh, that allow us to do that in that short period of time and be very efficient with it so you know you you, you bring up a very interesting part of this uh, association and when I read it that the hey you know you got 40 minutes and that's about what we have here in our little webinar today mm -hmm. so why that particular number of 40 minutes to me you you barely can get in and say you know shake hands say good morning or whatever good afternoon and and start doing a presentation i mean does it does it, it create an urgency to come in having your bullet points and you know, you know i'm saying being on target when you come through the door and not try to go through a big ramp up then tell something and you know how does that work i mean i mean it's got to be and don't take this the wrong way this is this is what came through my mind okay it's almost like a hit and run tactic we're getting there we're gonna hit and then we're gonna run right to the next target you're gonna hit there right. we're gonna run right next to the next target and you know it what i was perceiving is if i was going to be a part of this how would i you know be prepared to be able to go in there and meet with this many people over this you know period of time and come feel like i'm coming away being successful does that make sense sure does and i can i can chime in first here but um I, i've been doing this uh i think now for about 32 years uh of the 50 uh for the conference so i feel like you know we've got a little experience here but um we we affectionately refer to uh, the conference as the speed dating for the performance industry and the truck industry. Uh, it's, it is, it is a quick meeting, but, uh, as is anything, and you know, this Jeff, with your NASCAR experience and, uh, you gotta be prepared and you get out of it, what you put into it. And, uh, as us as an organization, we spend, uh, quite a bit of time preparing, uh, kind of a scorecard and a, and a bullet point that uh, to the manufacturers about, and uh, you're right. Sometimes we get in there, and by the time we all shake hands and do our pleasantries, um, and you get guys like Rich and I that like to talk, um, you know, you can you can cut that meeting down a little bit. So you got to stay you got to stay on task and stay focused. But uh, it's amazing the amount of of uh, things that we can get accomplished and the bullet points that we can cover. Uh, in both ways, you know, one of the one of the reinventions of the organization, I feel, which was a huge uh, part of it, was actually uh, putting manufacturers and distributors and the representatives on the same level playing field. I mean, it was always kind of about the distributors for years and years. We'd come in and we'd run the meeting and uh, really not give the manufacturers. Uh, a whole lot of time to talk about their stuff, but now we're, we realize the partnership, uh, it, it's so important. Um, so we all take a little bit of that time and, and get our business done, but it is, you know, you have to be prepared. Go ahead, go ahead, crew. Y'all just keep chiming in right there, uh, Tracy or uh, Scott. 
Well, right. I, I, I can't mm -hmm. tell you how many 40 minute meetings we've had about uh, uh, how long the meetings should be over the years. You know, that's been a point of conjecture forever. And, you know, a couple of quick notes is that uh, you can you can schedule uh, double meetings. And then the other beauty of this whole conference is that it's all in one facility. It's in a nice resort like facility. And there's a tremendous opportunity for outside of meeting networking lunches, breakfast, dinners, events, things of that nature. So the meeting itself can be the opportunity uh, to put things on the table, but the follow-up that can happen immediately after is invaluable. I mean, one of the um, absolute critical things I tell, you know, new people that are coming in and even existing members, you know, when they attend, it's about preparation, just like Scott said, um, it's about taking advantage of all the networking opportunities like Rich has brought up. Um, you know, a lot of times, you know, just getting that introduction face to face with someone is way is worth way more to a manufacturer or even a distributor um, than actually getting a meeting because you're, you know, you're face to face, you're able to sit down and have breakfast with each other, you know, you kind of connect on a personal level. And in today's time, um, you know, everything is electronic. It's very hard sometimes to get that cold call picked up or to get an email response. But when you, you know, sit there and have breakfast with somebody in a beautiful setting, you know, it just makes it a lot easier to, to really kind of bring down some of those walls and, you know, relate to one another and say, okay, what is the opportunity here and, and have that conversation. And the other thing that really makes a difference with this conference is, it's what you do after the conference. You know, when you go into those meetings, you have an agenda, your partners have an agenda, you're both, you know, hitting down these agendas and you have to take notes because, you know, after your third meeting, you're not gonna remember, actually after your 10th meeting, you're not gonna remember the first meeting. And after your, you know, 25th meeting, you're not gonna remember that fifth meeting. I mean, there's just, there's just, you know, it's just too much information. So you take notes, and, you know, it's, it's about the follow-up. And, you know, I've had many, many members tell me that, you know, if they come back and they do their follow-up, they get more done with these three days and a couple days of follow-up than they do, you know, working the trade show floors for the rest of the year, or even, you know, just trying to send emails and, and getting that interaction with, with customers. So, um, you know, it's, this can be really, really powerful, but it's gotta, it's really gotta come from each uh, company that's attending. Uh, I attended as a manufacturer for 15 years prior to this role and, you know, I wasn't very well networked. I didn't um, know a lot of the players uh, at the distributor level. And so this great gave me a great opportunity to set a meeting with them to introduce myself. Uh, and for those that, you know, I didn't get a meeting with, I kind of trolled them a little bit and it sounds creepy, but uh, maybe as a woman, I'm allowed to do that a little, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'd make sure I I'd slip in behind them at the buffet line and follow them to their table and, and strike up a conversation at, at breakfast or lunch, you know, um, it just, it's something that this environment is, is a, it's a concentrated group of people that are really focused on sales and that's, you know, it's about growth and it's about your business succeeding and um, you're able to do that in this event. Okay. I got to ask the silly question because I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm seeing all of this stuff happening. Okay. Around this beautiful resort. Do y'all blow an air horn or what do you do 
at the end of 40 minutes. I mean, you know, who, who is the timekeeper here? Who is the one? And again, and I say this with, with affection, but who's herding the cats? You know what I mean? Um, you know, we've had lots and lots of conversations about this. Uh, I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit. Uh, the Wizard of Oz moment uh, was when the board realized that the hotel actually paid staff to call every room at the end of every meeting as kind of a reminder. And uh, we realized, I don't know, about six, seven years ago that we really didn't need to do that. I mean, we're all adults. We all have, you know, cell phones mm -hmm. and timers and that kind of thing. Most of the uh, hotel rooms that we've been in over the last, I don't know, five, six years, they've all had digital clocks. So, you know, we just ask that our partners respect each other and, you know, somebody be the timekeeper and just kind of move on. Um, but I know that there are some, uh, some talkers in our, our, our group and uh, they do tend to run over. And I got to tell you that next meeting guy is outside and he's knocking on the door. And he's reminding them like, hey, my time, <laughs> get out, <laughs> move on to your next meeting. So um, yeah, it, we've thought, we've talked about cowbells, but you know. <laughs> I like Jeff's, I like Jeff's air horn idea. I think we ought to incorporate that this year. So. Well, I mean, I just, you know, you, you have to have some way to get everybody's attention. And again, you got such a large group of people and, and the, you know, as you say, time is important. And, and I, I, it's pretty evident that, you know, I'm not the first person that's asked about the 40 minutes and you folks, you know, you discuss it on a regular basis. Is that the right, you know, amount of time, but you all pretty much summed it up saying, yes, you know, if you give people more, yeah, they'll take more, but does it necessarily mean it's going to have the same result? I mean, uh, you hear the, the saying, you know, uh, less is more, you know, you're just going to be greedy. You're going to, you have to create more work for everybody else to get in there, get your job done. It's almost like making a pit stop. You know, I don't, I, I know we can make one faster and we, and we need to do this, but there, you got to get the job done too. So, I mean, I think that's what, to me, you, you've come up with is this is enough time if managed properly. Now, so that brings me up to another question. Who um, needs to join CAN? I mean, who, uh, maybe is missing an opportunity, maybe listen to us today. Uh, we keep hearing what you say, but can y'all break it down a little more specific about what you bring out? Uh, and, and don't maybe, you know, somebody sitting there thinking, well, it doesn't totally fit my company. How can you f find out, you know, what, what is right and what is wrong for you? He's got it. <laughs> if you fit into the automotive funnel, if you exist in the supply chain, you're welcome at CAN. Uh, for the most part, if, if you touch aftermarket automotive parts in any way, we have a place for you, whether that be marketing, service providers, distribution, e-tailers, uh, platform sellers, uh, all of the above. We, we have a place for you. And we don't dictate what you talk about or what you use the meetings for. We just provide the forum and the opportunity uh, for those meetings to take place. Anybody else like to add? Um, you know, I, I would say that, you know, brands that are looking to develop their distribution, um, those are, you know, you may think you're too small. Uh, if you have a distribution program and, and you want to get your, your brand out there, um, we have a great opportunity. 
uh, to come in and uh, meet with uh, distributors and resellers. Uh, we have an expo day uh, where most of mostly our new brands go into that and it's a kind of a mandatory for all of our resellers. We set up an hour for each reseller team to go through that room. Uh, so it's a small little trade show, very concentrated, um, but those brands have the opportunity to see, um, you know, to basically meet and, and showcase their products directly to the resellers. Um, and, you know, if you're a reseller that is, uh, you know, more niche, maybe you just sell Jeep parts. We have a place for you. We have buyers um, that are wanting to buy into, you know, your markets. And so you sell Marine, if you sell RV, those are things that we're starting to move into. Um, and, you know, we're excited when, you know, we have new brands and new resellers uh, coming into uh, the organization. So within your network and, you know, organization, association, you know, however you want to put it, um, we talk about, you know, supply channels and supply chains all the time and, and every industry and everybody, you know, since the pandemic hit, we, we've run into, you know, a, a mountain uh, of issues. With y'all service, does that allow the companies that are part of it, do y'all discuss stuff like that to where, you know, you, other companies share with, uh, you know, competitors even about how they're handling some of the, these problems. I mean, is, is what part of the, the beauty of being a part of CAN, uh, do, do you have the opportunity to not just stay focused on, on, the, on the mission at hand of getting in there and trying to sell something, but can you, do you ever have time to be able to discuss issues that pertain to everybody within the automotive world? Absolutely. Um, that is that is one uh, unique factor, I believe, for our conference is that, uh, you know, in, in the past, everything's everything was kept close to the chest and, and uh, nobody wanted to share information, you know, to let a competitor get a leg up. And um, and now more than any time ever, I feel like uh, this transparency is is uh, relevant uh, and very important right now we all as uh, companies and businesses within the industry can share that information and, and help make this better for everybody and I believe that uh, we really have done that uh, over the decade that that has opened up and uh, we find ourselves talking about things that we never would have talked about uh, to a competitor in the past, but, you know, everybody realizes that this is good for the industry, it's good for our customers um, to be able to address those problems and get other uh, points of view on it is, is very important. And that's a lot of what the networking that we're talking about after hours, uh, you know, the breakfast times, the dinner times, the, uh, the networking times after the meetings in the evening, uh, that's a lot of where this gets discussed, and it's been very a very very vital part of the, the conference anymore. We've we've had one of our attendees uh, got a question here, and I think it's it's probably a great time to ask it. Uh, Steve would like to know: Do you have to be a member to participate? And can you please share maybe some information about cost and the attendance of the meetings? 
Um, so uh, yes, you, you need to be a member to attend our conference. Uh, membership, depending upon your category, ranges from $175 to $450 a year. Um, if you're a new member and you're listening to this, uh, you know, uh, uh, session, you know, let me know, and um, you know, we'll work a deal for uh, for first year membership. You know, we definitely want to encourage people to come in and and you know definitely experience membership, experience the conference, and then make their decision and hopefully become, you know, partners and longtime members for us uh, in years to come. The cost for the actual event itself, um, we keep the cost really minimal. Um, really, it, it kind of just covers <laughs> food and beverage and um, for breakfast and lunch, uh, it's $5.99 an attendee. Um, that also includes your uh, largest, um, uh, that includes like making all your meetings and that kind of thing. So if you have, a, say, a manufacturer and you bring two attendees, it's $5.99 for each manufacturer. And then it, you can, our hotel suites are uh, about $1.99. That includes a resort fee. And they have, uh, you know, double beds if you want to share the hotel room. Um, that hotel room that you're sleeping in becomes your meeting room because there's a living room in the front. And so it, it's very uh, cost effective. Uh, you're paying for your hotel room anyways, but that is your meeting room. Um, the other cost, if you go into the expo, there is a thousand dollar charge for that. Um, and that just helps us with, you know, setting it up and that kind of thing. We're, we're not out to make a lot of money here. We're just, um, we're out here to exist and, and to provide these services and these connections. Um, but uh, yeah, so that, that's about it. If you bring more than um, like four people, say you bring four people, uh, that fourth person and on uh, is actually $349 a person. And like I said, it covers six meals. It covers your uh, opening reception and the dinner there and the networking. And so it's, it's for, a, for a nice resort to have those kinds of number of meals and stuff, it's very cost effective. Um, you know, you're going to spend that at a regular trade show, right? Just with trade show exhibit fees you're going to spend way and, and i'm sure if people out there listening I, I'm, I know that francis will put it up after we get off of our webinar but uh they can go to customautomotivenetwork.com and and see your website and everything like that and get a little more information but john also uh has a question for you tracy and he, he says uh, what is your largest niche and what is the one uh that is showing the highest velocity also do you have much interest and the aftermarket of EV conversion companies. They are a major uh, company in the uh, EV space and then they see some uh, interest in EV conversions gaining ground you know, very rapidly. So uh, uh, he'd like to see what you think about that. Um, I think Scott Rich, I think you both agree that truck right now is probably just slightly ahead of performance in, in our manufacturing uh, uh, markets. Yes, yeah, for right now. Right now, I mean, performance is, um, is it's definitely you know there. It's solid, but uh, I think truck right now is just experiencing a, a trend overall um, that is is you know kind of reflective of right now of our uh, our membership. Um, as far as the uh, EV conversion companies, um, this is something that we've been talking about on the board. You know, that three to five year, you know, five to ten year. What what does this uh, uh, industry look like and um, you know, EV is definitely high on that list. And we know that, you know, as other companies, um, you know, business models and, you know, their type of parts basically become non-existent in the EV world, like 
those EV manufacturers, those EV, uh, you know, those companies that are, are working in that space, they need to have a place as well. And I think that's what our vision is for custom automotive network for the next 50 years is, you know, EV is, is the next platform. Does it completely replace gas and, and those types of things? No, you know, just like the horse didn't replace the train, right? Or the train didn't replace the horses and the airplanes didn't replace the the train. So, you know, it's, it's, there's still, you know, markets within that. And that's what we're hoping to, uh, to I guess, grow in is, uh, you know, what's coming out next. So you're definitely welcome. If you have any questions, you want to give me a call, I'd be happy to, to discuss it with you and, and go from there. And I think, I think our platform is a perfect uh, opportunity for those EV and, and, hydrogen conversion manufacturers to be put in front of distribution and other manufacturers. So we, as Tracy said, we welcome it. Uh, you know, we, as a board, we have been talking uh, heavily about that because that's, we see that future trend, uh, not even trend, but that future. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's not going to replace uh, and, and, uh, but it's, it's going to be part of that and a big part of that. So we welcome them. Maybe in 40 years it'll replace it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I still I mean, like I still like who who doesn't like the sound of a rumbling V8? I mean, I'm I'm gonna stick with that for a while. I'm gonna hang on to them as long as I can. So unfortunately, well, I'll, I'll have to echo that. There, there's a certain uh, element about when when engines are are started, uh, no matter whether you're at a drag strip, a local short track, or a NASCAR race. I mean, there's just something about that moment that. It, time just kind of stands still and your heart, you know, changes a different beat to a certain degree, if you want to say it that way. Uh, and all of a sudden, the biggest thing is I usually get a big smile on my face because I love to hear that sound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nothing better. Okay. Uh, John's got another question here. What uh, activity do you guys see at uh, NH2? I'm pretty involved in the H2 space as well as, and well, I think it will be, uh, saves ice, ices and hot rotting going forward. Some of this terminology is a little bit out of my, my, my understanding. So maybe y'all understand that better. <laughs> well, I think people have been uh, working to <clears throat> develop alternate fuels for yeah. a long time. And, you know, hydrogen has certainly been at the top of the list, I think. Many of the the OEs have, have done a lot of work with hydrogen. You know, I know Mike Copeland um, uh, displayed at the SEMA show uh, with supercharged hydrogen uh, fueled vehicle. And uh, you know, I think the key thing is that uh, with our organization, we we don't dictate what you sell or how you sell. Uh, we just put the opportunities in place for people that make stuff to get it to people that need stuff. And I think that um, the broad diversity you see within our, our organization today uh, stems from the necessity of our members to do more things and be efficient, be good at logistics. Uh, you know, Scott, I think you can probably comment to this. You know, Motor State at one point in time was a performance-only house. Now uh, you probably can't count the number of categories you have in that massive building up there in Michigan. But, uh, you know, we all do many different things now, and it's all about changing with the needs of our customers and the needs of the industry and making sure that we put the right people in the right forum to connect and, and get what they need done, find the opportunities and go execute on those opportunities. 
I would agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. And, and I think one of the key factors here, and especially when we're talking about, you know, uh, when we start sticking our toe in the water with EV and H2 and, uh, and all these alternative uh, fuel sources mm -hmm. that, um, and I'm going to use fuel injection as, as one of those turbocharging and fuel injections. Those used to be in the performance industry. They were kind of black arts and they were, they were, you know, people that, that uh, helped develop that, uh, you had to go to that source. And the industry uh, seen that and embraced it. And uh, much like uh, nitrous oxide, they, you know, they made it readily available and safe and easy to install. And then it becomes uh, a platform that everybody goes to. I mean, uh, there's still a lot of carbureted vehicles out there, and I don't think, again, they're ever going to go away, uh, you know, completely. But you look at fuel injection, what used to really scare uh, a lot of uh, people off, uh, you know, that were doing the installs and, and tuning and all that. Uh, now it's it's a very easy process, and the industry makes that an easy process. And, and our manufacturers took those uh platforms and develop them to make them very easy and, and that all comes from these conversations and meetings and i can remember when we were first talking about fuel injection and you know it was always there but it was very difficult on an aftermarket side now it's now it's very easy so those are things you know i i see that with ev and h2 as well uh you know we'll embrace them. i mean we're our, our whole industry is driven by passionate people People that wanted to build a better product, make a, a car safer, better. Uh, I'm going to say faster because that's what we all like to, you know, we all want to make things faster and, and, and increase the performance. Um, but at the, at the end of it, it's about making it more readily available and easier to understand for the end user uh, that we can sell that uh, product easier and, uh, and then they can do those installs and updates on their own. So. Well, and the great part about our conference is that you can meet with the manufacturers and ask them yourself, you know, what they're doing to embrace new technology. And what you'll find is, uh, you know, as manufacturers go, not many of them just want to stay in one space and never, uh, never evolve. All of them are looking at ways to remain relevant into the future. And coming to a conference like this, you can get some really personal one-on-one -on -one time with these manufacturers to talk about what their direction is and how that might fit into your business. And in, in, in return, you can oftentimes provide a lot of feedback to these manufacturers about what you see and what you need that can help them with their development into these new uh, new technologies. One thing I want to throw in there real quick, I know we're kind of limited on time, but it's kind of reverting back. Um, we've seen, our industry has seen a lot of uh, acquisitions and mergers over the past decade. And in uh, us as an organization, we um, we know that, and we have actually developed the programs for the organization. As Rick said earlier, um, and Jeff, you had mentioned it, you know, 40 minutes, but when we're dealing with manufacturers that may have several brands now under their umbrella, we need more time. So we can add meetings, meeting slots to those meetings when we know we're going to be talking to a manufacturer about multiple brands. And that's the beauty of this. It's, it's, uh, pardon the cliche, but it's customizable, right? The, the custom automotive network is customizable for your needs. And those are things that we've done to reinvent ourselves and make that relevancy to the industry 
uh, better uh, as an organization. A couple of other quick notes about the, uh, the conferences. We'll have opportunities for uh, presentations and seminars. We work closely with SEMA and SEMA PAC. Uh, they'll be in attendance at uh, our conference. Um, there'll also be a, a golf tournament taking place on that Friday night, which if you see a bunch of car people uh, playing golf, uh, uh, probably won't be great scores and the carts may not be in perfect shape when they come back, but uh, it's guaranteed to be a good time. That's, that's why we play it at night and not during the day. <laughs> you know, y'all, y'all kind of lead me into, we also have a question here uh, along the same lines of what I wanted to ask. Uh, Mike was wondering, you know, the distribution has changed a lot in recent years, including drop shipping, e-commerce, et cetera, you know, and how you guys are that, you know, when you think about, you know, that the company has made a change in its name calling itself con can now, like I want to say con, like it's not, it's not a film, but it can, because y'all can get it done. That's because we can. And right. but you've been hosting for over four decades. And is it the members? Is it the board of directors? Who is it that keeps making it work? And and you know the the, the changes that you've made throughout the years to be able to make this conference, you know, still viable, making it relevant, as as we've all pointed out. Uh, and what other events and services is the association actively working on in 2022? If you got people out there thinking, okay, one conference is great, but what else? What else goes on? I mean, you know, for a full year, you know, y'all just go back and hibernate. You know, we you can't be doing that if you've been successful. But I'm just saying, do you have other stuff you have going on? Let me um, answer a couple of those questions. Um, you know, when the association started, it was a board of directors just uh, made up of distributors. When we made our name change, um, we now have uh, a board of directors from every category of membership. So we have, uh, a, you know, a number of manufacturers, a number of distributors, a number of uh, uh, service providers, and we call them our, our partners, uh, service partners. And um, the board has been instrumental in kind of making a lot of these changes that, um, you know, we're talking about. Um, you know, recognizing that, you know, we need to evolve, we need to, you know, kind of reinvent, um, not reinvent, but we need to definitely infuse the, the whole organization with this, you know, we're, we're, we need to meet the challenges of today. And, you know, the conference is great, um, uh, but we also recognize that, you know, that end consumer and how they're getting their cards how they're consuming information, that affects everybody else back up through the chain. And so we're having um, conversations right now. We have a, a data and content committee um, that's more on the, you know, the electronic side of things. You know, how do we streamline, what, what is the best practices for our, our manufacturers to share their information all the way down through the stream? And so this committee has um, gotten going this year We've got a conference for them um, that is going to be similar format, uh, meeting, you know, data, the data and the content people, the people that are in the electronic space, looking for the 360 videos and the installation instructions and, you know, the aces and pies. And I hate to say that because I don't want people to shut off now, but all that relevant content that a consumer is looking for, how do we get it in front of their eyeballs? And who are the people within all of our, our member companies that are dealing with that kind of information? We're bringing them together in a similar format event. And we're calling it Can Content. 
um, and they're going to be able to meet with one another and work through their problems, work through, you know, a lot of their, um, their challenges. And so we'll have some informational and networking and educational sessions for them as well. So it, it's, um, we've got other benefits. We've got discount programs. We have a dealer locator for brands that want to uh, help their consumers find their cards in a local uh, retailer. And so that's an industry-wide uh, initiative and it's something that we host. Um, so manufacturers don't have to build their own dealer list. They can uh, use our API and, uh, you know, push the, push the consumers back out to the retailers, which helps our, you know, distributors. So it's just a couple of things that we've got going on. We also have some really awesome uh, service provider members uh, that can provide a great deal of value. And the nice thing is they know our industry. Uh, they, they've done business with like companies in the industry. And you can find that they're very relevant, relevant and they're very capable of, of uh, providing a great deal of value. It's part of the unity that brings the whole organization together. We're kind of like the, um, the one-stop shop for what, what, do you, what is your business need to succeed? Let us connect you to the right people and the, you know, the behind the scenes business stuff that needs to happen. You know, who, who are you using for a credit card processor? Who are you, you know, who are you distributing your data through? Uh, you know, can we help you connect those dots? Can we uh, help identify common struggles like some of the legislative threats and things like that, so. What did they used to call that thing, Scott, a Rolodex? Is that correct? A Rolodex? We're, we're like a big Rolodex. We can, still we can have get one you a warm somewhere. introduction to the right people. Yes. Correct. Yeah. It's a good well, analogy. I'll tell you right now, we, we, we are going back in time if we're thinking about that big Rolodex. Most people had the little, little small little box on their desk, and the other ones had that big wheel that, that when you started right. turning it, it looked like a big Ferris wheel. <laughs> you have to add to it. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, it's the uh, the companies and everything right now are just uh, they're they're being bought, they're being sold, or this that and the other. Uh, Mike had one little quick, I guess I want to add on to it real quick. The panelists thought about you know Holly, uh, for example, you know on all these you know private equity firms that are buying these iconic brands, you know almost weekly. How does that affect the industry? You know, you want to comment comment on that real quick, guys. Yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely affected the industry. Um, it's affected us as a distributor. It's affected us as an organization. Uh, and again, you know, we look at those uh, in a case like Holly when they have you know so many brands and all those used to be individual meetings, and now they're kind of uh, formed into one. And that's we have to take those longer meeting slots to, to kind of cover those. Um, but as a as an industry, it's a little bit of a loaded question because I'm going to say just like in anything, there's good and bad. Um, you, know, you look at some of these brands, iconic brands that uh, were on the verge of going away. I mean, we would lose them. And uh, fortunately, you know, some of these investment groups have uh, been able to uh, come in and purchase them and, and put the needed money and, and cash uh, flow into that organization to continue them. And, you know, they bundled some of these up. So sometimes you lose a little bit of that personal touch that you had with individuals at the companies. But um, just like anything, there's good and bad. Some people do it very well. 
uh, and and others kind of struggle with that. But uh, you know, we talk about this a lot. And personally, uh, I, I would rather see those brands get purchased and remain, and let's at least try to keep them here than to flat just go away, which is what some of them would have done. Well, everybody, I, it's it's uh, it's really been a pleasure having you folks come on and explain to us what the rebranded can can do. I mean, it sounds to me it's this continuation of what was started 40 years ago. It's just got a little bit more fluff and buff to it. And I think the main thing everybody understand the the passion, the desire to make sure the automotive industry can communicate is still there. And that's the one thing I'm taking away from right now. Because it's not like, you know, you don't sell a hard product. You folks don't have that in your hands when you walk in the door, but you walk in, you know, representing the products that are out there and you help get everybody basically in the flow. Am I, am I understanding what this is it really turning into? Because again, I didn't have a preconceived notion about how this could work, but it sounds like a great organization. And if you're going to be in the automotive industry, uh, you need to be a part of it. Because it, it's going to keep the, I guess you might say, the wheels greased and, and things flowing along like it needs to do and gets everybody basically on that same page. So really appreciate your uh, your time and coming out here and sharing uh, what you know about it. And uh, for those of you, maybe you didn't get all your questions asked, answered, contact Tracy. She'll make darn sure she gets you to the right people. Judy? Well, you know, I've been to this event, and as Tracy has said, great networking. It was really worth my time and effort to go there. So I fully agree with you. And if anybody wants to reach out to Tracy, she does have a profile on our platform, and you could log on and send her questions. So thank you very much. Yeah, we had a great audience today with some good questions. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Rich. I mean, the, distri the distribution is the backbone of our industry. So that was a very important webinar, and we wanted to uh, you know, make sure your message was uh, out there. So this webinar has been recorded, like the 220 uh, previous one. It will be posted on the ePortrait platform later today. It will be distributed through our YouTube channel, uh, social, newsletter, etc. So thank you very much for being with us today. We will be back next Wednesday. We're going to be talking racing fuels with PS Racing Fuels. Thank you very much, and let's go racing. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Registering on ePartrade is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose Claim Company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose Join Company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now, and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after.
we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.